of Samuel. Um, we've been in Samuel for, for a while, and I figured that I could use a break. I figured y'all could use a break. And, and as, we, as I was thinking about it, I, I was thinking about something that, that Joey actually said to me uh, not too terribly long ago. And he, we were just talking and talking about the, the need that we have maybe right now more than any other time to really think and dig into how it is that we survive and respond to the stuff, different kind of stuff, but to the stuff, the junk. See, Miss Sharon didn't want to call your stuff junk, but I'll call this stuff junk. The junk that life gives us, that life puts on us. The storm that we can experience out there. I, um, I, I, I went up to the Sunday school class and helped you pull up some, a YouTube video today in, in the, it was one of the Sunday school classes upstairs, and, and I, I told Ms. Sharon, I said, don't judge me for what you see on my, my YouTube channel. Not that any of it's inappropriate, of course, but it's mainly um, sailboat uh, videos and sailboat reviews and sailboat channels, and there's a lot of boats. But, but one of the things that as we think about a boat, right, I mean, if you've come into a harbor, even if it's a, a safe harbor, a storm can still reach you, right? I mean, a harbor provides some protection, but it's not total. When I was a kid, the, the, the right across the bay from my grandparents' house was the Fort Walton Beach Yacht Club. It was great, man. It's where I learned how to sail, and it's, it's wonderful. And, and now I'm at the age where my, my, my friends are sending their kids to learn how to, how to sail there. But, but it's fairly protected. But even when a storm, when a storm would come, even then, they would pull their boats out from the dock so they wouldn't smash into the dock, and they would, they would anchor them out in the body of the bay. But when they did that, they had to have some, some trust that the anchor was going to hold. Because if the, if the anchor doesn't hold, you're going to drag. Dragging anchor. You're going to drag in a storm, and your boat is going to go somewhere where you don't want it. We had a, a, a tropical storm one time where we looked out the backyard, and, and a, 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 a boat, sailboat was, was dragging anchor and was about to take out our neighbor's dock. And so because I'm from Florida and we're all crazy, we jumped in the water and got in the boat and got it so it wouldn't take out Mr. Doyle's dock. But to survive the storm, you've got to have an anchor that's going to hold fast to the bottom, that's not going to drag. My brothers and sisters, my fear is, is that today many Christians are just being blown about by the winds and the storms of circumstance. They're being scattered, swept away in floods of affliction. They, they, their anchor isn't holding. You know, life can, can give us lemons, right? I mean, that's the, that's the conclusion to this statement. When life gives you lemons. We all know that aphorism, right? When life gives you lemons, what do you do? Make lemonade. 
We know that affirmation. So, so what do we do in our faith, in our life? What does the Bible say about this? The, the theme verse this week for Vacation Bible School was from Philippians. Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I see some of you doing your VBS hand motions. That was our, that was our theme. And, and the truth is that is the case. He will carry it on to completion. Our scripture today is Romans chapter 5. We're going to read the first five verses of Romans chapter 5. Will you stand with me as we read God's word together? Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that afflictions produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is the Word of God. Read it, believe it, and live it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly God, as we approach you today, as we seek to to study your Word, God, I I pray that, that we would see and understand the, the, the chain that you have for us to lead us to, to hope, to, to an anchor, to a sure foundation, something that will never let us go. And so God, we come before you this morning and as we open your word, I, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable and pleasing to you, our, our God and our King. Amen. You know, there are some times where we think that because we are saved, those of us who are saved, we think that because we are saved, we've we've been told then that we're free of problems. That we're free from, from heartache. That we're free from tears and free from disappointment. But if any of you have lived even a day after your conversion, you know that that is not true. Verses 1 and 2 here in Romans chapter 5 are are talking about our conversion. Talking about our, our justification by faith. See, what Paul is doing right here, he spent the first four chapters of Romans sort of laying out the process of salvation. And now he's beginning to move into the results of salvation. The process of salvation is justification by faith through Christ. And as he says right here in verse 1, we do have peace because of our salvation. We do have peace because of our justification. But it's not peace with the world. 
It's not a life free of hardship and conflict and lemons, but it's a peace with God. And so, so Paul's showing, right, that, that, that there is this conversion. But what he's also showing us here is that, is that our conversion prompts conflict. Our conversion prompts conflict. We, we can be converted, but the, the moment that we are converted, that's when the enemy really begins to press in on us really begins to, to raise up opposition to us, really begins to bring conflict into our life. The, the word that is affliction here is, is connected to the word for pressure. It's connected to the word that, that's used for a, for a grape press or for an olive press. You know, you, 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 you press that that grape down, and since we're Baptist, it gives us unfermented grape juice. For the Presbyterians, it gives them wine. Or it presses those olives down, and, and we get olive oil out of it, right? That, that pressure produces something. And in fact, in both cases, I would offer that it produces something and gives us something that is better than what it was prior to that pressure. Go to the store, buy a bunch of grapes. Go a couple of aisles over and buy some grape juice, which is more expensive. Go to the aisle and buy some olives. Go an aisle or two over and buy some olive oil, which is more expensive. The, the pressure has added value. And in our own lives, pressure can add strength. You know, many of us are scared of conflict. We, we, we have a negative view of conflict. Conflict comes into our life, and we just want to avoid it. Sometimes it can get interesting. When you have someone who is conflict avoidant, who is married to someone, can I call myself conflictual? This is a thing that we've had to work on. I don't think I'm throwing her under the bus and saying this. Audrey is a middle child. She's a peacemaker. She wants to avoid conflict. I'm an only child who grew up in Florida. Conflict is what I eat for breakfast. But the problem with conflict is conflict in and of itself is not bad. Conflict on its own, conflict is just energy. It's how we respond to conflict, how we deal with conflict, how we allow conflict to, to influence us and shape us and mold us and direct us and control us or not, that is the problem. You know, conflict just is. Conflict exists. But how do we respond to it? That's the question. Are we going to respond to conflict in our lives the same way the world does? Or are we going to respond differently? A little over in Romans, in Romans 12, Paul reminds us 
to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. To not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can discern what is pleasing and good and perfect. Are we going to respond to conflict the same way the world does, or are we going to respond the way that God has called us to? Are we going to be shaped by that stuff out there, or are we going to be shaped by God's Word right here? But see, one of the things that we do sometimes when conflict comes up, conflict comes up in us, it, it, it concerns us because, because we think that, that God wants to make us happy. We've got this idea that that's what God wants, right? God wants me to be happy. Brothers and sisters, God does not trying to make you happy. God wants you to be holy. And happy and holy are not necessarily the same thing. And so conversion prompts conflict, but then conflict produces constancy. Conflict produces constancy. You know, it's easy for us to say, we can, we can ask ourselves what it is that we want. We can respond, I want, I want strength. I want victory. I want prosperity. I want contentment. And brothers and sisters, there are false teachers out there that will tell you all of those things are yours. If you just listen to them and send a small contribution of 1995. But let's be honest, everybody wants those things, don't they? Go find the most unbelieving person you know. What do they want? They want strength. They want victory. They want prosperity. They want to be content. Those are not affections of God. Those are things that we all want. In asking somebody what they want, has anybody ever told you, I want patience? Is that one of the things that, that pops up top of mind? When, we, when we're asked what it is that we want out of life. But patience, maybe, is the way that we're called to respond to conflict. Maybe, maybe conflict produces constancy, produces patience. You know, there are a bunch of different ways that we can respond to conflict. In, in conflict, some retreat. They avoid. We, we, we watch a lot of Lion Guard in our household. If you're unfamiliar with Lion Guard, it is the cartoon that is about uh, uh, Simba from the Lion King, about his son and his band of friends that protect the Pride Lands. And, and, and the, the zebras are a particular kind of character. They're very pompous, they're very haughty, but anytime anything surprises them, they come along with their very bad fake British accents and cry out, panic and run, panic and run. Some of us, that's how we respond to conflict, right? We panic, 
and we run. We go as far away as we can. Classic avoidance. In conflict, some become resentful. Some become resentful in conflict. Have you ever heard someone say, or or maybe you've said it yourself, you know, I gave my heart to Jesus. Why am I still dealing with this stuff? I gave my heart to Jesus. I show up. I do the things that I'm supposed to do. Why am I still dealing with this junk? They pout. They almost come to hold a grudge against God. You know, when the time comes and I go to heaven, I got some words for God. Let me tell you. No, you don't. Let me tell you, when you get there, his majesty and his holiness is going to burn all of that out of you. But we can do that. We can sit here. It's, it's really easy sometimes for us to, to grow resentful, even with God. This isn't the way my life is supposed to go. In conflict, some just resign. They just give up. They just lay down and surrender. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I'm going to let this conflict just wash over me. I give up. But in conflict, some, by faith, resolve to follow God. See, none of these things, retreat, resentment, or resignation, none of those are part of God's plan. God's plan is for us to follow him. God's plan is for us to grow in Christ-likeness, to grow in holiness, to grow in sanctification. All words that mean the same thing. To become more like him a little bit every day. Now, brothers and sisters, here's the thing. We cannot do it on our own. This is why we have to resolve by faith to follow God. Because we cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot do it in our own power. But we have to be constant in it. I've been reading a lot of World War II history. Apparently, it's a thing that happens when you become a dad. You get to choose either World War II or the Civil War. And I chose World War II. I've been reading a lot of World War II history. And the the leader of of Britain during the Second World War, of course, was Winston Churchill. I have, this, I have this dream. At some point in my life, I want to own an American pit bull, a British bulldog, and a French bulldog. And they're going to be named Franklin, Winston, and Charles. But we sort of think of, of Churchill, right? I mean, even at the time, he was sort of presented as a bit of a bulldog, as a bit of a British bulldog. I mean, Churchill's the one... One of his most famous quotes is, never, never, never give up. We'll fight him on the beaches. We'll fight him on the landing fields. We'll fight him in the lanes and then in the villages. Never, never, never give up. One of the reasons that Churchill comes to be associated with the bulldog is because that's what bulldogs do, right? They latch on and they don't let go. That's why their snouts are all smushed. I mean, seriously, it is. It's so that they can breathe when they're latched on and and won't let go. That's the kind of dogged tenacity 
that we have to have in life. We've got to latch on and never, ever, ever give up. We've got to have that kind of constancy in our following of God. Because conversion prompts conflict, conflict produces constancy, and constancy proves character. Notice here in verse 4, he doesn't say endurance produces character. He says endurance produces what? It produces proven character. I don't know if any of you ever heard of this. I heard this a lot when I was a kid. Character is what? Character is what you do when nobody else is watching. That's what I got all the time as a kid from my father. Character is not reputation. Reputation is what everybody else sees and what they think of you. Character is what happens when nobody but God sees you. Some of us are really concerned about our reputation and not that much about our character. We care an awful lot about what people think of us and not enough about who we are when nobody's watching. But see, what, what Paul's telling us here is that, is that constancy, that constant dogged determination to hold on and not let go to Christ proves our character. It shapes our character, it forms our character, and it proves our character. It purifies our character. Sometimes Scripture talks about affliction as if it is a fire. Why? Because a fire purifies. If you look at my YouTube watches. Not only are you going to see a bunch of sailboats, at some point you're going to see a whole bunch of videos of people melting down metal in backyard furnaces. Because I'm really weird, guys. But as they melt it down, there's always this stuff that sort of rises to the top. Melting down aluminum cans or whatever, and there's this stuff that rises to the top that they skim off so they can purify the aluminum. We call that the dross. It's the stuff that's not pure. My, my wedding ring is not 24 karat gold. So if we were to melt it down, there'd be a bunch of other stuff in it, right? It's an alloy. It's not pure. Mainly because if it was pure, I'd lose it. And it's a really expensive thing to lose. But that's what heat and fire can do for us. That's what the furnaces of affliction can do, is it can burn off the dross. You know, we're often scared of failure. We don't want to fail in anything. But in particular, we don't want to fail in our faith. But here's the thing. Failure teaches us. Failure grows us. Failure matures us. If you do everything right the first time, you haven't learned anything. You're trying to learn a new skill. You've got to fail in order to get better at it. Brothers and sisters, we are not going to be perfect in our faith. We're going to, but we're going to grow and we're going to mature. Finally, character provides confidence. Character provides confidence. We're on a boat 
in the middle of a storm. The wind is howling. The boat is rocking. How can we be confident that our anchor is holding? How can we be confident that our foundation is secure? How can we know that our house is built on the solid rock of Jesus' blood and His righteousness and not on the shifting sands of culture or the world or whatever seems right this week? The author of, of Hebrews refers to our hope in Christ as an anchor. Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. This, this hope of our faith. Hope is faith in the future tense. That's an Adrian Rogersism. I don't know if any of you remember Pastor Adrian Rogers from Memphis. He used to, he used to say that, that hope is faith in the future tense. Scripture tells us not to mourn as those without hope. Why? What does that mean? There's nothing... For one who has no hope, there's nothing to hold on to. There's, there's nothing to, to secure them. There's nothing to tie them. Because there's no faith. And so, conversion prompts conflict. Conflict produces constancy. Constancy proves character. And character provides confidence. As we grow in Christ's likeness, we can be more and more sure of our hope in Him. When, when your feet find themselves in the, the water of a storm-tossed sea, when the wind is blowing... If you have Christ, if you know Jesus, your anchor will hold. You might get blown around. You might get tossed up and down. It might not be a very pleasant season. But if you have your faith in Jesus Christ, your anchor will hold. This is what hope means. That's what hope does is it holds on. Because, because when we grow in Christ-likeness, when we're constant in our faith, when we, when we don't give in to conflict but resolve to follow Christ, when that conflict comes after our conversion, that that character, that proven character, enables us to trust God in the darkest of storms. We're coming together this morning to this table, together as a, as a family of faith. If you're one of our deacons who is going to be serving today, go ahead and start making your way here. We come to this table, and it is a symbol and a sign and a means of our, of our hope. 
This is one of the things that Christ gave us to proclaim our hope, our surety, our constancy to the world. This bread and this cup, this sign and symbol that is more than a sign and a symbol lets us know that we will hold fast, that we will stay strong in the storm. We come together today to to remember Christ's broken body and His shed blood. On the night that He was to be betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it. And He said, this is my body, broken for you. And then He took the cup after the meal, and He blessed it and He poured it out. And He said, this is the blood of the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of our sins. It's by Christ's broken body body 